Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, November 26. Be loyal above all to truth as you yourself understand it. Always tell the truth, moreover, no matter how inconvenient you find it. Friends and relatives may try to influence you otherwise, but be like a compass needle. Point ever toward the pole star of your own integrity. This is really just such a beautiful way to put it. Now, Swami is not saying that you should be fanatical. He's also not saying that you should impose your truth on others. He's not saying that you should scream and shout and insist that your way is the right way. He's actually saying be loyal above all to the truth as you understand it. Now that phrase, as you understand it, because we also need to be humble. And we can develop ego on lots of different levels. And one of the ways that people develop ego is that, well, I have the truth. But the emphasis is on the word I rather than on the word truth. And as he also says, as I understand it, you have to be loyal to the truth as I understand it. And also, this is, this is a very fine line that we walk. And this is the difference between truth based on actual experience, where, we, where it's a thoughtful commitment to the best we can understand and a dogmatic insistence that's imposed from the outside that is often based on an actual anxiety. Truth that is taken as dogma is quite different than truth that is based on my own experience. And of course, if truth is based on my own experience, then I'm always eager and open to having new experiences that will give me new understandings. And the nature of truth, well, the nature of truth is it's ever expanding to infinity. And until we ourselves have infinite consciousness, we haven't embraced all the truth that there is. But we can't live with integrity if we're not also sincere to what we understand. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Yogananda's Guru Sri Teshwar gives advice. He says, fools argue, wise men discuss. And one of the advices he gives you, which I absolutely love, is he says, if somebody strongly disagrees with you and you can't find common ground, He said, don't get into a shouting match. And he suggests you can say, well, perhaps you're right. Which I absolutely love. Because, well, perhaps you are right. You haven't in any way embarrassed yourself or compromised yourself. You've just said, well, perhaps you're right. Maybe if you're thinking in some parallel universe to this, perhaps you're right. But it just, it's it's a respectful way of saying, you know, there's no need for you to try to convince me. And I'm not going to try to convince you because, who knows, perhaps you're right. This is especially true. It's often, uh, often people ask this question. They'll, they'll come to Ananda. They'll begin to study these teachings. And depending on the context of their life, they may find that their friends and family, uh, friends and relatives may try to influence you otherwise, he says. Because friends and relatives, out of concern 
for your well-being or out of selfish desire to keep you in the stable wherever they live, or even out of a worse desire to just keep you at their level and never let you rise. Not all people are generous. They will often try to stop you if you begin to be called in a direction that they're not going, especially if they're sensitive enough to perceive that what you're doing is more um, admirable than what they're doing. Your old drinking buddies may not support you in your sobriety. Your atheistic, hedonistic friends may not support you in your meditation. Your uh, traditional religionists may not support you when you begin to get a broader vision of truth. So you have to be prepared to stand by what what you believe based on your experience without becoming dogmatic yourself. So I know people have said to me, well, I've started coming to Ananda and, you know, either because they had to tell their family or they wanted to tell their family or close friends, then other people start researching it and start having these ideas. Ananda itself, we were embroiled for 12 years in litigation and at the end there was this really horrible, completely fallacious lawsuit that was so fallacious We didn't take it seriously, and as a consequence, we were actually a judge guilty in court. Just think the word cult. Add to it every single terrible thing you can imagine, and that's what happened to us. So sometimes when people get part of Ananda, somebody will search us out on Google, and they'll find these accusations. They don't find our answer to it, Ananda Answers, which is also there. It doesn't make any difference. They'll come with this attitude, or they'll read about our teachings, reincarnation, Guru discipleship, the oneness of all religions. Jesus is one of the gurus on the altar, but he's not the only one on the altar. So if you're Jewish, you're really upset because Jesus is there. If you're Christian, you're upset because he's not the only one there. So just everybody finds a way to be upset, right? And there you are. You know, you've been you've been to three meditation classes. <clears throat> you've set up a little altar somewhere in the corner of your closet. You're doing your best to meditate, not much is happening, but you love coming to Ananda and you just feel something is happening. You're sitting at the dinner table and all of a sudden your relatives just dump all of this on you. I mean, this is, these are true stories. This is an amalgam of many people's experiences, but believe me, it's happened. It's happened a lot. So then you have to defend reincarnation. And you know yourself about this much about it. You have to defend the law of karma, about which you know even less than this much. It's, you know, it's down to a quarter of an inch. You have no idea. And they know all this, and then, of course, they'll tell you that, in fact, you're being duped, that this is really a cult, and pretty soon they're going to take your children away from you and they demand your bank account. Now, it may sort of be odd to say, well, perhaps you're right. <laughs> but it diffuses the argument. But what happens is that people start trying to defend themselves. But they're, they're, they're st- trying to defend a truth more than they actually understand. So my encouragement always is, first, don't say anything that you really don't know. And so, I mean, I've encouraged people to say, wow, that's a lot of information. I'll have to keep that in mind. Well, you know, I really can't answer that. But I'm taking it a step at a time. And so far, so good. Thank you for your concern. And then where is the fight? As long as you're standing in your own truth as you understand it, you don't really have to defend yourself against anything. People present ideas that you may never have considered. You have to say, well, I've never considered that. 
I'll think about it. I mean, you may consider it in a moment and reject it, but why say that? Just say, well, I'll think about it. I mean, and I have told people who've been on my case, you know, whose point of view I, I don't really think is true, but thank you for telling me that. I'll think about it. I'll keep it in mind. As long as we stand, you know, honorably right where we are, then you see also we have nothing to defend. People, people become defensive. We become defensive when, when somebody's poked through the weak point in our armor. And if we don't have any armor, then there's no weak point. I'm just going on my own experience so far, and I'll keep that in mind. And you should keep it in mind, unless you've had enough experience to really know it's not true, or you should investigate, you should try to find out. But then he says, always tell the truth, and no matter how inconvenient you find it. You know, speaking the truth is extremely important. Um, I just recently, I had made a comment that I was going to, and I said it out loud, that I was going to do something at a certain time. And when that time came, I thought, well, I can do it 15 minutes later. But then I thought to myself, no, I articulated the words that I was going to do at this time. And if I want my words to have magnetism, if I want my words to be believed, I can't just toss them out and then pretend that they were never spoken. So I just got up and did what I said I would do right at the time I would do it. Now that may seem an exaggeration, but it's only a little bit of an exaggeration. We have to be, as Swami said, practical in our idealism. So we can't always, you know, sometimes we simply can't. But he does say, no matter how inconvenient. Now there has to be a condition on that. Truth and fact are not always the same. Because um, a fact could be that somebody who's ill looks really more horrible than you've seen them look ever in their existence. But if somebody's already feeling weak and discouraged, you don't want to walk in and say, my God, you look terrible. Because that might be a fact. But the truth is, their infinite spirit is always free. The truth is that they may still have the potential to become well. The truth is that the divine is always loving and encouraging. When Swami Kriyananda walked into the hospital room of this woman named Happy Winningham, who had been fighting HIV for a number of years, this was like 20 years ago when, or even more than that, when the treatments for that were, were far less developed than they are now. And she had developed meningitis, and she was, she was dying. She was very close to dying. And there was chaos in the hospital room. I may have included this in one of these broadcasts, but you can hear it again. There was chaos in the hospital room, including they desperately were trying to give her an IV, and they just kept the nurse kept poking and poking and poking, and they couldn't get her admitted properly. She couldn't sign the papers. It was just chaos like this. And because she was so close to dying, the um, life force was withdrawing from her extremities, and her extremities, her fingers, her toes, and her nose, and her ears were all, I guess, they start turning blue and purple, but the, or, or red, but they, they change, and, and it looks in a certain extreme way. So her nose especially had become bulbous and red, and there's all this chaos going in on, and Swami Kriyananda was called because they thought she might be dying. Swami walked right in, and he sat down right next to her, and he said, Happy, you look just like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, <laughs> which... In fact, she did. 
because suddenly she had this big bulbous nose. It was so absurd, but it was truth. It was one, she actually did look like Rudolph, but the truth of it was, oh, so you're dying. What's the big deal? You know, we're all going to die sometimes, and you've been struggling with this fatal disease, and you're not afraid of death, which he knew. You're not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death. So you might as well go out looking like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> and, and what happened, and Happy tells this story. It's in a book I have. I think Miracles and Answered Prayers is where it is. She said, she was near, you know, she was leaving this world. When he said that, she said, she took a big breath and just started laughing. And when she started laughing, first she said the whole room, the doctors, the nurses, all her friends, everybody was <gasps> so shocked. I mean, it's not, it's not what you usually say to a dying person. But, but when Happy took a big breath in and then started laughing, everyone else started laughing. The doctors, the nurses, the other visitors, Swamiji himself. And she said, just, Happy wrote later, just in that instance, everything changed. The admittance forms were solved. The nurse found the vein. You know, everything shifted. He told the truth. So we have to understand that fact and truth are not the same. Truth is always encouraging. Truth is always helpful. Truth might not always be nice. Sometimes strong medicine and stern words are needed. Don't misunderstand. It's not always necessary to be like a Pollyanna. Something can really be wrong. But you still tell it in such a way that it's encouraging and uplifting. I remember sometimes when Swami's had to give me bad news. It's like, first, he establishes the connection with me. He just makes sure that we are, we are together as friends. And then, of course, if something that is going to be difficult for me to hear comes after that, then it comes into a context of encouragement is actually the word. I'm going to deliver something difficult for you but I'm going to stand with you when I do it. And it may not always be convenient, but we must, we must be clear about our priorities. That's actually how I would put it. And there's, there's a, a, an aphorism which is very important to remember. Where there's dharma, where there's right action, there's always victory. That doesn't mean there's always ease. And that doesn't mean that victory comes effortlessly. But if we adhere to truth as we understand it, it will create a magnetic power that will always carry us forward till the divine goal is reached. So Swami says, be loyal above all to truth as you yourself understand it. Always tell the truth, moreover, no matter how inconvenient you find it. Friends and relatives may try to influence you otherwise, but be like a compass needle. Point ever toward the pole star of your own integrity. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.